Welcome into the Nebraska 24-7 podcast. I am Michael Brunts, joined by Brian Christofferson. We are a bar stool with only two legs today. Sad. Yeah, why, why are you leading us today? We are without our fearless host and leader, Mike Schaefer, who is um, on his way to Louisville uh, after wrapping up a, a trip across the Rust Belt baseball parks of major league baseball is he gonna is he going to like uh churchill downs is he gonna check that out or i I think he's uh just on his way back um so he had stops in cleveland i believe um detroit detroit Detroit, um cincinnati skipped out on pittsburgh i guess um the best ballpark in the majors people say and then he went to cincinnati which people say or he said stinks. Yeah, we we can ask him about it next week, but it uh, had all the flash and panache of Chris Sabo's goggles from the <laughs> 90s, is I what like, I understand. I, I really like that Reds team. Eric Davis, you probably don't like that. I, I don't. They, they, beat your, they knocked off your A's in yeah, four games, I think. Jose Rio still kind of gives me... Yeah. Uh, I, I went through a lot of therapy because of Jose Rio. Were you like kid. crying as a little... Yeah. Were you like seven? In, on the on the Mount the Mount Rushmore of my most hated opposing athletes, Jose Rio is one. <laughs> Joe Montana is probably on there as well for what the 49ers did to the Broncos in the Super Bowl that year. I, I still have really bad memories of. And he he led a Monday night comeback as a Chiefs quarterback, yeah. didn't he, on a two minute drive? Yeah, once. he double dipped him with yeah. that uh, late that late touchdown L- pass to I think Stephon Page was, <laughs> was who he threw it to. It's a little old Montana magic for you Broncos. Yeah, yeah. so that's th- th- those are my two. Do you, do you have a, two opposing uh, people from your childhood that you absolutely hate? Um. I'm assuming Brett Favre's got to be one Brett of them, Brett right? Favre was number one, and then I grew to accept him when he became a Viking, and I kind of like him now in his older age. That I like that he's doing like icy hot commercials yeah. or whatever he does. Just chucking around yeah. the ball in the backyard yeah. in his uh, Wranglers. Yeah, I like that. I kinda, I'm i okay with him now, but back then it drove me up a wall when you would watch the Packers. And John Madden, it was just like he well, – Brett Favre, he's football. You know, he just went on these the things about him, and I, I couldn't take it. He would be number one, and then, hmm, I don't know, number two. You know, when I was a kid, and I grew up a little Husker boy because I was in Omaha, Brian Bosworth was (laughs) the linebacker for Oklahoma when I was a little kid. He was like the Antichrist. I mean, he really was at that time. And then when I was in college at the Daily Nebraska, and I did this story on Nebraska-Oklahoma rivalry, and I interviewed bosworth and i got his cell number or something and i I gave him a call and he answered and i kid you not i had never been more nervous like interviewing somebody than i was brian bosworth because i felt like i was talking to the devil himself he turned out to be a really likable guy you know we were he was in some what was that bad movie he was in he was in a really bad movie like, like it wasn't it was like death blow yeah or like, like something, something like that. that wanted to be like roadhouse or something but it wasn't he was in it was, but anyway he was kind of fresh off of that and uh turned out to be quite an enjoyable guy in a really good interview so i no longer stats department's looking up the movie uh Re- revelation road was that <laughs> i don't know that might have been Sorry, this is the, the, you need to keep talking. We, I need uh, to keep talking while Stats Department <laughs> looks it up. 
talking about Brian Bosworth. Well, I'm, I'm doing a deep dive here on Brian Bosworth's I'll IMDb tell you, page. I'll tell you something about Brian Bosworth. When they beat Nebraska in 1986, that's the game where Nebraska wore all red uniforms. And Nebraska was at 17-10 to 10, and then allowed Oklahoma to go on like a 90-yard drive to tie it. Went three and out. Quickly gave the ball back to Oklahoma. Big catch to Keith Jackson. There's a controversy about whether he pushed off. And Oklahoma won 20-17. Two things about that game. Barry Switzer decided not to go for two for some reason. It ended up working out, and he won the game. But it was a bizarre, like, where he was going to settle for a tie with about a minute and a half left in this classic game. That's one thing that stands out. The other thing is, as that game was going, if you go watch it on YouTube, it's tied with like a minute left, and Bosworth is like mugging for the cameras, like you know, like putting up the number one. And the game's like tied and might end up in a tie at that point. And he's still like talking trash to Husker fans and acting like they're up by like three touchdowns. And it's just bizarre to me. What, was it Stone Cold? Was that the movie? Yeah, that's exactly it. 1991, he plays. Uh... I don't know who he plays, but I'm, I'm, he probably just played Brian Bosworth <laughs> yeah. on a motorcycle. That was, that was the name of the his character, yeah. So, um, been a busy week. Yeah. I, I think we can we'll, we'll circle back around to some banter. I think we've got some good stuff yeah. at the end of the pod, but um, a couple transfers, a couple commits. Seemed like it's uh, you know every day something new was popping this week. How do we want to go through this and recap the week that was? Let's start with the two guys who can play immediately. Okay. And you talk to one of them, and I'd like you to pronounce his name because I don't want to pronounce it. That would be uh, Vaha Vaenuku, ah. the um, defensive tackle, defensive line transfer from Utah that was, as far as transfers go and commitments go, was was pretty out of left field. Is that is that safe to say? Yeah. I would say he's going to be 25 in October, right? Yeah, he's basically in our age bracket. Yeah, he uh, <laughs> he can relate to a lot of. He, is he even? I mean, he would be a millennial still, but I, I feel like yeah. he's, he's uh, trending older. Yeah, I'm jo- I was joking there, but like I feel like I could go up and ask him about like you watch Fresh Prince after school, right? What do you think <laughs> of the Saved by the Bell college years? You know, and he would have good answers. Yeah. He he would he would say that the Miss Bliss could, didn't didn't really count for Saved by the Bell. Yeah. Um. So so Vaha Vaitinuku. Um. I'm just gonna say it because I've got the pronunciation down finally. Um. Out of nowhere, um, announces that he's gonna transfer to Nebraska, and he's got an interesting story, a real interesting story. Um. Graduated in 2012. Uh, out of high school, does a two-year mission, um, LDS mission, doesn't make it back in time for the 2014 season, sits that year out as a gray shirt, enrolls at Utah in 2015, the winter of 2015. His very first padded practice of his freshman year at Utah suffers a Liz Frank sprain in his foot. And, you know, th- those are the types of injuries that end careers, they, they nag you uh, throughout your time. And, Red Shirts comes back in 2016, plays two games as kind of like a special offensive package, but never really, um, you know, cracks the depth chart in any meaningful way. Decides to take a medical red shirt in 2017 during spring ball, effectively ending his career at Utah. Graduates, and and this is where it kind of gets interesting, where 
he starts missing the game, which you would expect when you never really, you know, were able to contribute in a way that you wanted to. Has his high school coach start telling coaches who are coming through East High School in Salt Lake City that that he wanted to potentially play again. Uh, Eric Chenander comes down, talks to him. They get him on a plane to Lincoln a week later, uh, and, and he commits to be a Husker. Uh, he's going to be here in a couple weeks. Has two years of eligibility to play defensive tackle. Uh, big thing. kid, 6'3", 300 pounds. Um, I don't know what he's going to be able to give you, but, I mean, when you look at kind of who has left the program since Scott Frost has been there, you know, it, it feels like you're kind of rolling the dice a little bit where this could, you know, play out pretty well for you if, if he's able to contribute. Yeah, you could look at it two ways. You could look at it like, they're going to have room on their 85, which they will, to take a chance on a guy like that. The other, I guess, skeptical part of you wonders, like, do they know something we don't? Is there some worry about just the nose tackle spot as a whole where you you have to kind of make a move like that? Um, and I say that because Stoltenberg was out this spring, and Scott Frost told us, you know, he was going to be part of fall camp and all that, but... Soltenberg has had bad knees and is going to have to prove he can get through a full season. And then you have senior Peyton Newell, um, who hasn't played a lot but can help you. And then Damian Daniels, everybody's really excited about, but he hasn't played a college football game yet. And so there is a big question at that nose tackle spot, I think, after Stoltenberg. And, you know... I guess you just look at it as, well, here's one more guy that you throw into the equation, and if, if he takes off, um, good. If he doesn't, um, at least he can give you some practice reps. I, I don't see anybody at that spot, really, though. I mean, where we stand right now that you would say, you know, that guy's going to go out there and give me 55 snaps in this game. Like, it, it just feels like with the pieces they have there, and, and especially given their histories of – you know, injuries, guys being you know, inexperienced or just, you know, never really haven't contributed yet. It feels like you're going to have to mix and match a lot at that spot. And I feel like that's where, you know, with, with Vaha, you know, if he's healthy and, and feeling great, he gives you 25 snaps a game. Like, I, I feel like you'd feel like that's a pretty darn good use of a scholarship at this point mm-hmm. uh, in the calendar year. Yeah, and I think you're right about just kind of maneuvering guys around. Like, I think we, we were talking about it off air. I think Carlos Davis is a guy you, you're you going to see move around that D-line this year. Like, mm-hmm. he's listed as a DN now, but in the spring game we saw they trotted him out as the nose tackle to start the scrimmage. And, I, like, if Mick for some reason weren't around some week, I would think Carlos would probably be the guy that would start in the middle and they'd figure out the ends around him. But, yeah. Well, and especially if you're you're talking obvious passing situations on third down, it, it – with the way that they've kind of schemed pass rushes in the past at UCF, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think you're going to see, you know, a 330 pound guy at that nose spot on on third and fifteen. Yeah, I mean, th- the one thing I'll say about it is you're you're going through the Big Ten, and you just have to have a bunch of bodies that you can throw out there because it it's a rugged league, and by the end of October, early November you are at some point going to get down on your depth chart and you are going to need somebody who, if nothing else, they're a 310 pound man that the other side has to move. And Vaha is certainly that. And who knows? I mean, maybe, maybe that injury just didn't allow him to show what he could really do as a football player. And 
this staff feels really good that there's something in him that hasn't been shown at the college level and everybody's about to see it. I, I did read someone who covered Utah or something said he was like the strongest guy on that roster just from a pure strength standpoint. So he's, he's got some things going for him. And he's also got a maturity, you would think, because of his age. He's seen some things in life. and I, He's I got think, a 401k, that kind of thing. Yeah, I think he's, he's probably <laughs> – he could talk about the stock market with guys in the locker room and things like that. I mean, I think that's useful. He, he's like Roger Dorn in the Major League Two. He's like sitting over there in his locker reading the business page. Is he married? Uh, no. Okay. No. But like – in talking to him, and I mean, it, it was a fairly lengthy interview after he got back from from Lincoln. I mean, this is a guy who wants to succeed and feels like his career never got launched. And I mean, I, I think that 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 matters. I mean, it, it's good to have those kinds of guys in your program who are hungry to get after it. And you know, like you said, I mean, a little veteran presence, mm-hmm. or at least a a little bit of what you know, maybe sage wisdom that comes with age isn't a bad thing there. Well, that one was interesting. And then a few days later, Will Jackson the third, cornerback from Mesa Community College. Mesa Community College. Who's got two three years to play two. Is yes. that right? Yes. He's coming in at cornerback and he's eligible right away. And so we wondered all along, okay, are they gonna add a cornerback, you know, with with their depth chart the way it is? Nick Watkins was a name that's been on our site the Notre Dame grad transfer, and he expressed interest in coming to Nebraska. That hasn't happened. so It maybe, sounds like it won't. Yeah, so maybe this is your answer there as far as here's one more guy to, to throw in the competition, which is good. Six foot three, 192 pounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, talked to his defensive coordinator after he committed, and it sounds like you know, this is a guy that they used all over the place. Um, you know, he was a boundary corner, field corner, they put him in the slot on, on guys to just get up to the line and be physical with them. And, I mean, do you feel like that there's anybody in that cornerback group that has that job locked up right now? No, I do think Lamar Jackson uh, had a good spring from what Travis Fisher said. I think Boodle had a good spring. Those are the two that kind of – if. If there was no changes coming, I thought those would be the two who would start, and I still wouldn't bet against that at cornerback. But that's certainly written in pencil. I think anybody could be erased from a starting job there. Yeah. Well, and, and it, it, I think, too, you have another body there where, you know, Deontay Williams has been a, a safety. He's a guy that they said, you know, maybe if we needed to, we could use him as a nickel. I mean, this maybe frees you up in a little in, in other areas as well in that secondary and whatever you get from JoJo Doman. I mean, that, that helps your depth there too. And you've got a couple incoming freshmen who are interesting. I mean, Braxton Clark's a, he's another like six three corner. Uh Cam Taylor, interesting guy. Um great athlete. And I, I would say this cornerback is the one position where there's certain positions on a field where I always felt like guys can get have a better chance to play right away. Like when it, you're talking about an O lineman or D lineman and they're 18 years old or 19 or their first year in a program, I'm always real skeptical that they can break through because yeah. it's just so hard. If it's cornerback and it's just like, here's your instincts, do what you've done since you were seven years old and cover that guy across from you and don't let him get open. We've seen at Nebraska before where even when Nebraska was in a great program. There have been guys who played right away 
as freshmen or their first or second years. Some of them were really good players. Like Ralph Brown was a great player who just had great talent and played as a freshman. But there's been a few cases you could come up with with the guys where, you know, Nebraska's situation was a little sketchy at corner and somebody who was a young player got thrown out there right away and had to make it happen, and that could happen this year. Yeah, Kalu. I mean, he, he had yep. to do that. Siante Evans played as a true freshman as well. Yeah, so it so cornerback to me, we have our guesses about who's going to be where, but I think I think Travis Fisher is going to leave that thing wide open. He keeps score very closely with his chart and everything, and um, if I were a young guy coming in, I would think – I could be the starting quarterback when Nebraska plays Akron. I would look at it that way. Definitely. Uh, so those are the two guys that can help right away. Where do we, we, Nebraska got a quarterback. That's that's noteworthy. Yeah, I guess that is noteworthy. Uh, Luke McCaffrey. The, uh, that name's familiar. The prince of the McCaffrey lineage of football players. Yeah, he's the prince. Is I he think, like Prince William? I think he'd be like the, yeah, I don't know. You, you get into the royal royal stuff. Uh, you, did you get no, up and watch no, the he wedding? Would be, he would be like Prince Harry, probably. Okay, like the the younger. Uh... Yeah, like Prince William would probably be Christian McCaffrey. Okay, you're obviously not a Royals guy. No, I did see the baseball wedding. or otherwise. I, it's not like I read like every gossip mag about like. Did you get up and watch the wedding? <laughs> I didn't get up. <laughs> no, um, I uh, I watched it that day though, a replay of it that very day. What'd you think? I don't have any. I, I don't know. No opinions. <laughs> it, it McCaffrey, look, McCaffrey. <laughs> uh, so Nebraska gets our quarterback. We've we've hashed out the number of offers that have gone out this spring to various quarterbacks. You've talked to Mario Verduzco quite a bit this spring. I mean, what has he kind of shared with you about quarterback recruiting or kind of what they look for? Or has he kind of gotten into that with you? Well, I I think they're willing to take first off, they're willing to look outside the box more at that position than some other people. Um like there was a couple athletes that they offered that they saw as quarterbacks when other people saw them as athletes. Um and I think you know, they he, Mario Verduzco wants to go down and see if they can actually throw it around. I mean, he he wants to they have to have the arm for the job otherwise they're not going to get an offer. Uh, but I do think he gives a cast a wider net than some people. That said, I think McCaffrey, and I think Schaefer thought this, I got that from him and he follows us as close as anybody that McCaffrey was always at that top of that list. Like I, I really believe of the offers they had out there that they were, they could have taken any of those guys and been satisfied and think we can really work with this. But if you said like a week or two ago, hey, write, be honest and write down your, your rankings of guys, I don't know exactly what it'd be, but I think McCaffrey would have been right up there at the top. I, I truly believe that. It's just, you know, the he's got the athleticism part of it that they look for, you know, with, with the way that Nebraska's depth chart is right now. I mean, we, we don't know how it's going to fall, but given, you know, kind of how things are, I mean, there's, there's not that pressure for him to come in and be the guy right away. And he, he hasn't played a ton of quarterback at Valor. I mean, he played a little bit as a junior, but, you know, got stuck behind his brother on the depth chart uh, behind Blake Stenstrom is at Colorado. So, you know, that this season is going to be, you know, important for him to 
you know, is going to step up and show that he can be the guy at one of Colorado's premier programs. Yeah, I think what's attractive about him, too, is, I mean, you know he's got amazing genes, but also you know that his whole life he's been competing. Like, at a, I mean, since he was four years old, I'm guessing he was competing out in the backyard, at, you know, with his brothers, trying to prove himself. And so I, I think there's some worth to that. And he's he's had a chance also as a younger person to be around big time football. He's he's I'm you know he's seen his brother Christian play in the Rose Bowl and just be a superstar. And you you get up close to that stuff, and those experiences are worthwhile. But I mean, when you come to a place like Nebraska, some kids that's a tough adjustment where all of a sudden, you know, he you're doing a media interview next year and you're surrounded by 22 people with mics in your face. This this guy's seen what that's kind of like, and so I, I think some of that stuff, you know, is not going to be a thing to him, and so that that's an advantage for him. And uh, I I just think he's like Nebraska's QB situation to me. It, it feels like it's on really solid ground considering what it could be in a situation like this where he just had a coaching transition. Like there was the fact that they were able to get the exact guy they wanted last recruiting class and Adrian Martinez is almost a minor miracle that we probably don't appreciate enough given right. the time frame. Mm-hmm. And then if you if you believe that Luke McCaffrey was the guy they wanted this class or near the very top, that's that's a heck of a batting average considering, you know, that you just switch schools and you haven't even done anything at this school yet but I think it's also a testament to how much people believe in Scott Frost offense and also I think and McCaffrey said this Mario Verdusco is one of those guys I think quarterbacks realize this guy quarterbacks are his life like that's that's what he thinks he eats and breathes this stuff and I'm gonna learn a lot from him and Scott Frost trusts this guy why wouldn't I also yeah and I think you're still seeing you know, especially at the quarterback position, a lot of the the benefits of what Scott Frost has done at Oregon, what he's done at UCF, where there are very tangible results that you can point to on the recruiting trail to, you know, this is this is what a quarterback does in our offense. This is who's done it. And this is how we've gotten that particular guy to that point where he was able to be successful. I mean, everybody's going to point to Mariota. Like that's that's the one that, you know, is, is a big deal there, but you know, what they did with McKenzie Milton in a very short amount of time, I think is also, um, you know, a pretty good roadmap for some of these guys that, especially that they had offered in, in the 2019 class that are a little bit more of it, it's the designation of an athlete, even though, I mean, they, they are still quarterbacks. Think about it. If some editor came to you and was interested in you and said, these are the writers who have worked under me and they were like really well-known people or they'd done really well and they were interested in you, you'd be flattered by that. You know, it's, it's just like, they, they believe in me and they've seen really good quarterback play up close. Um, so I have to think just that alone, like when, when they sit across from a QB that, that guy's like just excited, like, these guys believe in me that that says something and there's probably that I mean that's a pretty good starting point when you're recruiting someone definitely and, and McCaffrey was quick to point out and we definitely asked you know what what do they tell you about the rest of the 19 class and kind of what they're going to do with that position uh, he said that they were you know pretty upfront with them that they were only going to take one that, that you know he was their guy and uh, so that'll be 
kind of something to keep in the back of your mind too as we kind of see how this quarterback competition unfurls in the fall too yeah i mean if somebody does leave after the season yeah they're they're in the same spot they are now right now as far as depth because noah vedral becomes available so he would he'd be a body that is there next year that isn't available this fall Mm -hmm. and and so it's not like they'd be in a desperation mode even if somebody left if you know with the addition of mccaffrey so that was that's three of the five. Who do we got left? We, we, we got, got, we got Desmond. De- Desmond Bland. O-lineman from Arizona Western. And Arizona Western, of course, produced Greg Bell and Jerron Woodyard. And is a championship program at that level. And I think this is actually the one. It's not going to be talked about as much as the quarterback. But to me, this might have been the biggest deal of the entire week because his his JUCO coach thinks Desmond Bland is like an NFL caliber center. And I know there's some people rolling their eyes. They're like, yeah, whatever. We'll see about all that. I agree with that. The point is, this is a guy who could play that position. And if you look at Nebraska's depth chart right now, we don't know who the starting center is this next year, but it could be a senior like Tanner Farmer or somebody. And so a guy like Desmond Bland could come in in 2019 and sure he'll have to fight for the job. But if, if he is as good as his coach thinks he is and could slide into that spot for two years, that would be just, I was going to say ginormous. (laughs) And then I didn't want to say it, but I said it anyway. Yeah, it's out there ginormous well and then you, you've got gerald foster leaving after this year so i mean you're gonna have you're gonna have a lack of experience there where it, you would benefit by having that ginormous talent coming yeah. from arizona he can play Lesson. guard too yeah so i mean you, you've got pieces that you can mix and match in there and i mean you've got john raritan you've got bo wilson those guys who you know maybe they get some some more experience this year but i mean to, to be able to get and and I've kind of said this for a while, and I mean this isn't you know a great take by any means, but you look at schools in the SEC that recruit the junior college ranks, they offer early, they get their pick of the JUCO guys early on in the class, rather than seeing it as oh crap, you know we need to go get a guy late in the process to fill a spot. So I mean by doing the work now, you're able to get a guy like Desmond Bland in your class, a guy that can help you right away, rather than you know kind of sifting through the pile of misfit toys um you know at the end of the recruiting process when you figure out you need a guy there yeah i don't feel like i'd be interested in your opinion on this i don't feel with all the junior college guys that they've made a lot of breaches like i i know they haven't proven anything here yet but just kind of the guys they are and the way people talk about them you don't feel like they're bringing in a lot of guys from that who are played junior college ball where it's like, uh, I don't know if he's going to fit in that locker room, you know, or is that going to be a problem? I mean, Will Jackson had an issue at Kentucky. He was booted for undisclosed reasons and had to reboot his career. So maybe that's an example where you're not quite sure how it's going to work, but most everybody that's been picked up, like the Arizona Western coach. And this is one of those things where in print, maybe it doesn't translate as well as it did when he said it to me, he said, Nebraska got his like three best guys, basically, you know, and Greg Bell, Woodyard, and Bland. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are like, if he were to rank his top guys, Nebraska basically took them from a program that's competing for a national title at that level. So um, I don't, I don't feel like they've, 
the Husker coaches think they're taking like great chances with these guys. I think they feel pretty confident in a lot of them. Well, I think that's the to be able to recruit the junior college as well. I think more than anything at that level, you have to do a lot of your homework where not only is the guy a player, like, can he play, but you know, does he, there's kind of the, the other intangible boxes that that guy has to check. I mean, you know, why is he in junior college? Mm -hmm. Guys go to junior college for a lot of reasons. Um, you know, personality wise, how does he mesh? Like, is he, is he hungry to play? I mean, I, I think when you have a guy like Ryan held on your staff, um, who was very well connected in the junior college ranks as a former junior college head coach himself. I think it helps because of those connections to where a guy will say, Oh, you know, look at this kid. Don't look at this kid. And, and that eliminates a lot of the guesswork where you might be bringing a guy into your program that doesn't fit. And I think in the past, you know, maybe there have been guys that have come out of the junior college ranks at times that maybe, that wasn't the case or Nebraska spent time chasing guys who, you know, for whatever reason, didn't check those intangible boxes. And I'm thinking of like trail clink scales is the one that yeah. comes to mind where Nebraska, uh, invested a lot of time in recruiting him. It was a big get when they got him, but you know, it, it just, it wasn't a, it obviously didn't end up working out. And it seems like, you know, that could have been something where they avoided, the lost time and effort if they would have done their homework ahead of time a little bit. Yeah. You're always kind of, you've been holding your breath in the past whenever right. it was a, a Juco guy mentioned with Nebraska. And I think the thing about held, I was looking it up like as a guy who coached at that level, he wears a bracelet on his arm that reads the, Ju the struggle made me Juco product. And so don't you think like when he walks in and talks to Desmond Bland or something, he, he can relate in a way a lot of coaches at this level can't, where he's like, look, I've seen everything that's associated with what you're going through right now. Sure. And I know how difficult this is, and uh, we want you to succeed, and I, I've made a lot of guys like you succeed. And I, I have to think that's a big advantage. Yeah, definitely. No, and, and you know, the, the fact that, you know, I, I think there, if you're a JUCO guy, you probably really respond to a guy that has an idea of kind of what you actually went through to, to not only get yourself to the JUCO, but also to get yourself out because that, I mean, that, it is a hard thing to do. Yep. Who was, okay. There's one more we haven't hit on yet. Jackson, Jackson Hanna, Hanna. Who's down in Nashville. Yes. Down by that hot chicken. The hot chicken. You, you talked to Jackson Hanna yesterday. Did you talk hot chicken? No, I, I regretted it right after I hung up. I actually <laughs> wish I had asked no! him for his favorite hot chicken joint in Nashville, but He's a guy who he's been recruited for three years by, I mean, it started with Vanderbilt mm -hmm. and it's an SEC program. I know it's not at the top, but you know, and it's a program just down the street from them, but that's the Stanford still, of the South. Yeah. Do they call themselves that? I think they do. Okay. Yeah. That's uh, I mean, that's impressive though. So he's been through some things. What's his story is interesting because he was not thinking at all about Nebraska until like two or three months ago when he was approached. And so Nebraska is basically playing catch up to a bunch of, you know, a decent amount of SEC schools. And I don't, the thing is, you never know like whose offer is like legit. And right. he has a lot of reported offers. I don't know which schools like wanted him, wanted him, but he had some big boys that were at least intrigued by him. 
and he's visited LSU and Alabama and all these things. And Barrett Rude just knocked the socks off of not only Jackson Hanna, but his coaching staff there at, at the high school he goes to. And I think that's where it started, the way Jackson Hanna explained it, is he really impressed the coaches, Barrett Rude did, and those coaches started to talk to Jackson like, I think this is a good fit for you. Like this, the kind of program we are and the kind of program they want to run up in Lincoln, it seems like it's the same thing. You need to take a look at this. And so if anybody wondered, and I'm not saying there are a lot of them, I did get questions on occasion like, how do you think Barrett Rude's going to do? Yeah. You know, he's never been a coach. Well, he's batting pretty well right now. He got Will Honus, and he connected with him like nobody else did, beating out Wisconsin and Iowa. And now he uh, he gets a middle linebacker in Jackson Hanna that a lot of people kind of liked. And, and we've, we've written about this, but if you're a middle linebacker like Jackson Hanna or Nick Heinrich, mm-hmm. you look at Nebraska's depth chart right now and you think, okay, in two years, that thing's wide open for me. Yeah, it, it, and it sets you up for a real interesting inside linebacker class. I mean, it, I talked to Nick Heinrich earlier this week, and – you know, he's still looking at a, a July decision. He wants to have it wrapped up before his senior season starts so he can focus on that. Uh, doesn't know if he's going to take official visits in June, um, you know, may or may not. And, I mean, you have to give Barrett Rude credit for kind of getting Nebraska into the conversation there because, I mean, it's, you know, a local kid, so obviously Nebraska is always kind of, you know, in the conversation because of where you are. But, I mean, with a coaching change, I mean, that puts you behind. A lot of programs, big-name programs have come in for him. But, I mean, you – let's say you get him in, in July. I mean, you're talking about a, a top 100 linebacker plus Jackson Hanna, who's, a you know, right on the cusp of four-star status in 24-7 sports. Um, you know, that's, that's a pretty good haul right there. And for those two young guys, I mean, you, you start looking at the depth chart, and we talked about this, I think, you know, last week or a couple of weeks ago, whenever guys left that, you know, Honus is going to be gone um, by the time those guys, you know, get around to, to really contributing. Mo Berry is going to be gone. Dedrick Young is going to be gone. So, you know, this class that they're recruiting now, I mean, they're going to have a chance to get on the field really soon. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you know, unless they go out and get Juco guys or, you know, move somebody over there. Yeah, basically in 2020, which would be the second year in the program for any of these recruits right now, the Avery Roberts mm-hmm. and whoever yeah. is recruited and the walk-ons is what we know. Yep. And the point about Nick Henrik, that would be significant because this is not the type of in-state kid where you just cough and you get them. Right. Like I think no. there, there's a difference, you know, sometimes we know where those ones are, where it's like, okay, like Garrett Nelson, you mm-hmm. know, when they if they offer him, Garrett Nelson was just so sure that that's that. You know, you don't have to work too hard. This 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 would be a heck of a win. And yes, it would, it would look like a bad loss if you lost him because he's an in-state kid. But by no means is it an easy recruiting battle. I mean that that's you know two both of those guys at Burke. I mean I, neither of them really. Grew up Nebraska fans. Um, you know, Chris Hickman told me, you know, he grew up, he's born in Austin, Texas, didn't really have a team that he followed growing up except for Texas. I mean, the, the, the pull to be at Nebraska is not nearly as strong with those two guys. And I, I think that, you know, fair or unfair, 
this recruiting class, you know, how, how those two guys go is going to kind of tell the story a little bit for this recruiting class, whether it's Nebraska or not. Um, but, you know, back to Jackson Hanna, I mean, you, you, you get a kid like that who can move from the outside to the inside, which he's going to be doing as a, as a senior. I mean, he's an athletic kid, plays fast. Um, you know, he, he seems like a guy that, that Barrett Rude's going to be able to coach up and get on the field pretty quickly. Yep. So with Hannah, they've got eight commits in the class now. What are they ranked? 29th by us? Yes. So that they went from five on June 1st that we knew about to eight in a span of six days. Um, important to note, if we didn't, that Vaha and Will Jackson, while eligible right away, they don't count toward the 2019 class. Uh, no. Nope, definitely not. But uh, so that so Jackson would be eight the eighteen class, and I believe Vaha would not count at all. And by our count of what has been reported or is out there, I think they're at eighty five right now with their scholarship count. I don't think that's going to matter. No, I still think you might hear of another one or two here or there. So they're fine numbers wise. Yeah, yeah. There's there's no real cause for concern there. And then, I mean, if you have a little bit more attrition, that just allows you to take a few more guys in 19, too. Mm-hmm. So there you go. That's the, the week that was, kind of. <laughs> it's like a half hour's worth of stuff that just 37 minutes worth of stuff already. Yeah. Was it, there was a draft. Do you want to talk about the draft? Oh, baseball? Yeah. There's or, a little baseball draft you, in there. Well, did we, I set you up right? Or yeah, no? I'll, give, I'll give you two minutes of draft talk here. You can. So. I'm ready. Okay. So Nebraska um, – not much drama around the draft. Uh, Jesse Wilkening, the only draft-eligible junior from Nebraska's roster that was picked, um, went the 14th round of the Philadelphia Phillies, uh, intends to sign with the Phillies, ending his Nebraska career. Uh, beyond that, Scott Schreiber was taken in the ninth round by Houston. Uh, Luis Alvarado in the 17th round by the Los Angeles Angels, no longer the California Angels or the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. They're not? They're not. They're just straight up Los Angeles when Angels. When did they drop the Anaheim? It's been a while, okay. I think. Okay. I, I did. <laughs> I had to double check that because I was like, what do they even call themselves now? Um, and then to kind of the, the future Huskers part of it, um, Spencer Schwellenbach went in the 34th round to the Cleveland Indians. He's already said he's going to be at Nebraska. Okay. I think that could be Nebraska starting shortstop next year. So that's a big win there. Uh, and then Bo Blessies, the other uh, Nebraska-related draft pick, 36th round to the Washington Nationals, formerly Montreal Expos. He also will be uh, in Lincoln as well, he told me. So um, not a lot of drama there around you the go. draft, which I appreciate when things like that get wrapped up nice and neat. And the uh, the pitcher from Oregon State didn't get taken. Yes, so that's a whole other thing, but yeah, that's uh, I'm not gonna wait. I shouldn't have even brought it up. <laughs> that, that topic would take like 30 minutes to digest. You can Google that one. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna that's, say anything about it. That's a Googler. Um, so quick banter here before we get out because we're already 40 minutes in here. Okay, uh, Schaefer's probably yelling at whatever podcast listening device he has and telling us to stop. But you had a good question on the message board today. Your best Husker what-if question. So th- this is – set it up okay. for us a little bit. Yeah, well, I just ask people, like, is, is there that one Husker thing, like, what if this had happened, 
what chain of how does it change everything it's like the butterfly effect Uh you know the butterfly flaps its wings it changes something in idaho yep you know so um my top one has probably i'll it was different than the one i gave on the board but my top one is probably i always wonder if nebraska had converted the two-point conversion in 84 against miami Mm -hmm. at in the mid 80s tom osborne had some heart issues and I, I'm just always curious if he might have like stepped away, if he had claimed his white whale, already. Interesting. I don't know. It's just something I wonder about. I don't think that would have happened, but I always wonder it. You know, Tom had offers from other schools while he was at Nebraska, even like Colorado, and he turned them down. But you know, maybe if he had a championship, you know, I always wonder, like, okay, does he maybe say I'll step away from a few years, maybe get back into it somewhere else? I don't know. Hmm. I don't think that, but that's a what if I had. The one I brought up was actually, for some reason, I was studying the 2001 Nebraska-Colorado game, which is infamous (laughs) for being the 62-36 game. And I always tell people this. That game was actually closer late in the third quarter than a lot of people remember it. I think a lot of people just think Nebraska just got drubbed start to finish. They were down 35-3, to three, mm-hmm. but in the middle part of that game, they outscored Colorado 27-7, to seven, had all the momentum, and were down 42-30, to 30, taking over a drive 40 yards from the end zone. Yeah. What if Nebraska scored a touchdown on that drive? I think they that game is different. I also don't think Nebraska would have been in the national title that year because I – don't think that team would have beat – I think they would have had to play Oklahoma again the next week yeah. in the Big 12 title game, and I have a feeling they might have lost. Yeah. Here's mine. I, I was th- I had a couple of them, but I'll, I'll just give you one. Uh, Nebraska goes into Indianapolis against Wisconsin, 2012, Big Our, Ten title yeah. game. What if Nebraska comes out of that game as the winner, as many people expected them to? And we went so, to the Rose Bowl. Because there were there the were there were some because going to the Rose Bowl, there would have been there there was a little bit of speculation at the time that perhaps Bo Pelini was looking around at jobs or was being considered for other jobs. Um, you know how how does that? It's a complete narrative shifter, right? Because mm-hmm. Nebraska wins a, a a conference title, and I, I just I wonder what uh, you wonder if Bo is coaching Nebraska next year. Yeah, I do. Yeah, so do I. <laughs> I wonder if maybe he has a job that, say, Brett Belima had yeah. shortly thereafter. For example. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that that was the one I had. The other one was uh, even later is, is what if, uh, you know, Nebraska, at least leading 17-3, to had uh, knocked off Wisconsin again uh, in the snow in Madison in 2014 because they would have walked out of Madison – been nine and one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Would have been tough to fire him. Yeah. So I don't know. Those are the two that those, I came those up are with. your your what ifs. Yeah. I don't so, know. It's a it's a. I don't know if it's a fun game to play, but it's a game to play in early June. You, you can kill a lot of time in early June with a game like that. So. Hit us on Twitter with your what ifs. I would be curious to know what people what would come up there you would go. come up with. That's that's connecting to the reader. Is yeah, what that is a little a little action action based uh, stuff here. So we're way past our time here. But uh, anything else we did, we missed? 
that we need to hit on? I don't think so. I'm I no rap lyric this week because as I told Bronze, that can only happen when the trio's together. Yeah. That's really a sacred thing. I have to talk with Schaefer what we're gonna do when you go on a little sojourn, summer sojourn, if there's gonna be a rap lyric or not. Oh, I'd I'd be happy if one of you guys kept it going. <laughs> that would mean a lot to me actually. <laughs> we'll see what we can do there. Um, as always, you can find our stuff at nebraska.247sports.com, Husker247. Hit us there. Uh, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't. God, this is really hard to get us out of a podcast. I always... You, I ta- you take for granted Schaefer's I, work. I, yeah, I, this is tough. Anyways, hit us there. Visit the website. Uh, a lot going on this week with recruiting. Uh, Friday Night Lights camps coming up in June. Uh, coaching staff fanning out across the state, talking to you, the fan. So mm-hmm. uh, you can read all about that more at nebraska.247sports.com. Have a great week. We'll be back next week with Mike J. Schaefer and another episode of the podcast. Mm-hmm.